A melancholy trails to Tim Wakefield. The knuckleballer died over the weekend reportedly of brain cancer at the age of 57. Wakefield was drafted by the Pirates as a first baseman, but he converted to pitcher after mastering a knuckleball that his father taught him as a kid. Wakefield went on to win 200 games, 186 of them for the Red Sox. He spent 17 of his 19 seasons in Boston, and he was part of two World Series winners, including the team that broke the curse. No pitcher has ever started more games or thrown more innings for that franchise, and only Carl Yastrzemski, Ted Williams, and Dwight Evans played for them longer. And Tony, when you're on a list at the top of the list after Cy Young and Roger Clemens for that franchise, talk about somebody whose career probably wasn't appreciated enough. And when I heard some of these things yesterday, I just went, wow. I mean, we watched Tim Wakefield his whole career and did not realize and not appreciate him being that good. What the hell is that? Stone on air coming up. Completely unsanctioned by the church. Stone on air. Whatever, let's just do this. Stone on air. That's exactly what I wanted to hear. Give human beings opportunity and you'll be absolutely shocked with what people do with it. Stone on air coming up. Stone on air. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome in to the Stone on Air podcast, the first Thursday of October. October 5th, to be exact. My name is Brian Stone. You'll find this show every Thursday, most weeks. Anyway, take a little time off at the end of the year. On the front end there, that was PTI, Tony Kornheiser, and Mike Wilbon talking about the passing of Tim Wakefield. I will bore you with baseball for just a minute and many other things next. And when I heard of this guy passing that you likely have never heard of, if you're a baseball person, you have. But even if you are a baseball person, you probably didn't care or know a whole lot about him other than his run with the Red Sox. Um, I will, uh, I'll expand on that in a minute. Let me lay out the show for you here real quick first. As I am still working on backup equipment, this is just how it's going to be for the rest of the year, probably, until I upgrade some stuff. So I got to get rid of this music so it doesn't distract me and I can stay focused. So coming up in today's show, a typical three-segment show. Uh, The only slight difference is the final segment. I'm going to replay the interview that Paul Jackson from WTC and the local Focal did uh, of me this past week on Tuesday, which I was very happy, thrilled, actually, to be able to uh, to be asked to be on that show. And it's always fun to be on FM radio whenever the opportunity presents itself. And since that show is not podcasted and you can't find it anywhere once it disappears into the uh, thin air of, uh, of, of traditional terrestrial radio, that's what we call AM and FM, uh, I'll give you that here in the final segment of the show. Also... I just had a lot going on this week, so it was kind of a cop-out to not have to plan a third segment out. Plus, it was uh, I, I enjoyed it, and I, I think, I hope you will. Anyway, uh, in the second segment of the show, kind of a spillover of anything I don't get to here in the open. A couple of, um, I guess, recaps, reviews, if you, if you will, of the Drive-By Truckers show at the Walker Theater. My band show at JJ's. The latest on the blue light and Songbirds is the latest to be out 
at Station Street, but they're not out for good. They're just moving. I'll get you the he- the latest on that. And also in the second segment of the show, the latest. Yes, let's go. Nick, let's go locally here. Our guy has done it again. His latest single is he's releasing, I think, a new single each week of the month of October leading up to his show at The Signal. And it is another piece of absolute brilliance and I will play you that in its entirety in the second segment of the show. But I was bummed when I heard about Tim Wakefield passing away. It was late 50s, I think 57 if I remember right. And he was one of the ones of many that I got an autograph from, a couple of them as a matter of fact, at Ingle Stadium from about 1990, maybe about then, 1990 to probably 95, 94, 95, I spent virtually every day of the summer at Ingle Stadium that they were home anyway because my dad is a big baseball guy. My many my entire family is. It's been passed down through generations, and I'm a big baseball guy, and that's part of what built that love. And I don't know if kids do this anymore. I, I feel like they don't. Maybe they do. Uh, I think it's more about ice cream and uh, Louie and uh you know, cotton candy and junk food and whatever. And I'm sure I was into that as well, but I would get collect foul balls and collect minor league and major league top prospect rookie cards and get autographs. I would go through every single team's like media guide, like the actual, you know, the pay, the piece of uh, pamphlet or book that was released and I would find out who all their top prospects were and which ones were in the Southern League. And I would get their autographs. And some of them have survived all these years. Most of them have not. But uh, many of the best ones did. And for every Sean Green and every Carlos Delgado, and in this case, even Tim Wakefield, names you don't know that are not prominent household names, they are prolific in the baseball community, there was also Hall of Famers like Frank Thomas and uh, Chipper Jones and Alex Rodriguez, not a Hall of Famer, but all-time great, and others that are escaping me right now as I'm only going on memory, and I would do that before and after every single game for years, and so most of them ended up being worthless pieces of paper with people's autographs on them that went on to do anything else in life other than play professional baseball. And then many of them went on to be some of my favorite players and players that I, if they weren't my favorite, that I at least followed for years. And Tim Wakefield was one of those guys. And um, so that was a bummer to hear. Speaking of which, it is now postseason time in baseball. So next week's show is going to be all kinds of messed up. The National League Division Series begins. The Braves in the playoffs stresses me the hell out. It's almost to an embarrassing level. I really need to just take the week off from this, but I'm not going to. But because of the way the schedule falls, I don't know when, where, or how, or what next week's show is going to look like, when it's going to be available, or what it's going to be. It looks like I'll probably try to put it together on Sunday, and just go through my notes to self over the last like six months and find some topics that are not uh, topical to this exact time period and do a show that way. Because I will not have any kind of focus or time or energy 
that I'll be able to put into a typical show for next week. So there will be one next week. It'll just potentially sound a little bit different. Uh, speaking of uh, though the weekend, because that's when the series starts, boy, do we have ourselves a doozy coming up. First of all, for all you fall-crazy-loving nutcases, it's going to be a high of 67, the last I saw, on Saturday, and a low of 45. All that, to me, is PTSD of how much I hate the winter, but um, I'd better not hear a damn one of you complain about being cold this weekend. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it, damn it, okay? It's going to be super fall this weekend. Mox homecoming. Four o'clock is the game. I love going down to homecoming. Terrell Owens is in town. That's an if-you-know-you-know scenario. Don't have time to reset that. He's been here all week uh, putting together hype videos with the the, the UTC uh, media, social media teams. That's always fun to see. The Three Sisters Bluegrass Festival is all weekend. That's many people's favorite event of the year. I like it. It's okay. I think it's fine. I don't care to miss it. There's usually Braves baseball to be wa- be watching at that time, but Green Sky Bluegrass is a really nice get for Saturday night. So I'm going to try to do football tailgate. Uh, Red Wolves also final game of the year. I have some tickets that are up in the box that are for my sister and uh, what would be, my, I guess, my niece, right, and her friend, and then maybe a nephew. Like, it's kind of a family affair. So it's kind of like, oh, shit, I, what am I going to do? It's too many things scheduled for one day. So there's football and soccer and baseball and bluegrass all day long on Saturdays. So whatever it is you choose to do, enjoy yourself. As I'll go down a few of these uh, just notes to self here on the open before I get to three pieces of audio, I'll get you the great or the the realest thing, the worst idea, and the coolest thing coming up here five or six minutes from right now. So I guess all the Taylor people, Taylor Swift crazies, and I'm not a hater, but she is now supposedly maybe dating a Kansas shitty can't jeez. Freudian slip a Kansas City Chiefs player his name's Travis Kelsey and everybody's wondering is this a big uh just PR stunt she's up in the box at these primetime games and TV's showing her over and over there's even betting lines on how many times they're going to show her and it's bringing in young women young girls and women in general that don't normally watch football to see how many times they'll see Taylor on the screen I've had enough of Taylor Swift I've had enough I've had enough between all the eras stuff, the tour, all the ticket prices, and now the movie that are the ticket prices are even getting insane on that, that are in theaters across the country. I've had enough of Taylor Swift, and really I'm now starting to get irritated because of of how much all this stuff cost and the idolatry of this woman and the fact that she makes her tickets possible to go for thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars to see her play essentially the same set every night all across the country. Um, hate Live Nation all you want. Hate Ticketmaster all you want. But in this case, yeah, really should be pretty irritated with Taylor Swift because she's allowing this to happen. She, I, I don't think she's as cool as people act like she is. And um, she's a cajillionaire who is not doing anything to make it easier for her fans to see her music. She's only doing things that make it more expensive and more difficult. 
to see her music. And then I, what I believe pulling stunts like this, a supposed boyfriend of a football player, and hanging out in the uh, in the luxury boxes on primetime games. The Kansas City Chiefs play a 1 o'clock game, I think, in Minnesota this weekend. Yeah, check back with me next week and tell me if, if Taylor Swift is hanging out in Minnesota at 1 o'clock or what would be noon central time in Minneapolis this weekend. Get back with me when she's there because she won't be. I promise you. How about I bet you 5 bucks, $5 bet. She will not be there because it's not a nationally televised game. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Uh, Student loan payments are due again like any day now, and this is how you know people don't care about this to the length that they say they do. Um, I've been saying this since Biden or anybody else said, oh, we're canceling all this. No, they're not. They knew they couldn't, and they knew they weren't going to. They did it as a way to get reaction and to get votes. It's not going to pass in any courtroom. If you borrow money, you have to pay it back. And you know, in the last three and a half years, anybody out there who has student loans, you've had three and a half years to pay no interest on your loan, right? Like they do understand that. Like this is the same as cash deal. Anybody with student loans could have been paying back at dollar to dollar, no interest for three and a half years. And I'd love to see the numbers showing how many people didn't actually do that. So color me not uh, sympathetic in that situation. Uh, the comptroller in the state of Tennessee wants the uh, the uh, assessor of properties in all the major counties, the biggest ones with all the most money, to now start doing appraisals once a year, as opposed to the way it's set up now, three to six, depending on which county you're in, three to six years. And why do they want to do that? Because these counties are missing out on automatic tax hikes and tax inflation on this fake ass uh, market that will eventually crash and destroy lives. But until then though, they want to be able to cash in on the tax dollars that they're not getting. It's a way to raise taxes without actually raising taxes. And of course, uh, most people aren't paying attention to that. So there's a good chance that goes through the beacon center, which is a libertarian group says the timing of the re- the reassessments doesn't change the underlying issues with property taxes. Policymakers should create property tax caps across the board to give the property owners protection from large unexpected tax hikes as we are one of only four states without one. So they increase your property value. You get that thing in the mail that says, oh, hey, look, your house is worth uh, $250,000. Well, guess what you're going to get taxed on? A house that's worth $250,000. I invite anybody to come over and hang out at my house. Actually, don't. Don't come over. You're not invited. But if I did and you came over, take a look around. Whatever the the assessor of property, I think his name is Marty Haynes, whatever he says this is worth, he's wrong. And do not pass go. Do not collect $200. And where does Marty Haynes even get this information from to begin with? The final uh, portion of this paragraph from the Beacon Center More frequent reassessments without a cap would make it easier for local governments to collect a windfall due to the truth in taxation law as evidenced by what occurred recently in Nashville when property taxes in the last couple of years went up 34% because of the absolute bloated, fake, artificial market that is going to bubble and pop, burst, and destroy economies 
banking institutions, lending, blah, blah. We've seen this movie. We know how it ends. It just had different actors and different institutions and a different setting of time. Running out of time fast. You probably already saw this. It was about a week ago. Prominent Chattanooga businessman shot and killed in downtown Chattanooga late last Thursday night, so a week ago today at the 100 or the 1000 block of Market Street, which is over by the Edney Building, Patton Towers, Miller Park, Pickle Barrel, think that entire area. Shooting suspect has a long criminal history. Dude's name is Daryl Roberts. He's 57. And this rap sheet is actually really, really long. 60 criminal charges between uh, just the other day and the early 1990s from traffic violations, DUI, theft, uh, aggravated robbery. Uh, I mean, the list just goes on and on and on. And the guy has served, it would appear, very little to almost no jail time. And according to cameras and eyewitnesses, it says, I'll just read it here really quickly. According to the police report, video from the uh, market in 11th Street shows that Wright, that's the man who was shot and killed, walking past two black men then turning around and talking to them. He then walked further away but stopped and turned toward the men and appeared to talk to them again, shows the video. One of the men later identified as Roberts, the uh, suspect in the shooting, then reportedly walked towards Wright, took out a firearm, and shot him in the head at close range. The affidavit states, one witness told police of seeing the suspect place the gun directly on Wright's head before shooting. That is pretty freaking scary. Um, it also sounds like maybe this right dude probably was uh, mouthing off and messing around with potential bad guys. I mean, I'm not trying to like throw blame at a victim here. Uh, don't mess around with people who might be messing around with you downtown. Just keep on walking. Just move along. Most anybody you're going to run into downtown are not dangerous. Unfortunately for this guy in this situation, that was not the truth. He was incredibly dangerous and clearly a menace to society and uh sad stuff there and september the driest in chattanooga since 1919 so i'm certainly not going to complain about that oh and one more where i why crumpled up the wrong thing hold on uh, a dude from the voice the guy who plays at champies here locally regularly i don't even have the guy's name sorry the the that stupid show on i think it's nbc the voice well, he's from Chattanooga, so if you care, you can check that out. Let's take a look at quick or quick listen to three things here. Actually, I'm going to cut it down to two because that one there's no reason to do. This is General Milley, Mark Milley's parting address to uh, to the services of whatever his ranking is. He was underneath uh, Trump during that disastrous uh, administration. And then, of course, I'll read you what Trump said through via his social here in just a minute. I won't have much commentary about it, but I thought it was worth playing. This isn't the worst idea. What Trump said was, uh, but how he responded certainly was not the worst idea. But it's worth it's worth hearing if you haven't heard it already. It's not about us. It's about something much larger than all of us. It's about our democracy. It's about our republic. It's about the ideas and the values that make up this great experiment in liberty. Those values and ideas are contained within the Constitution of the United States of America. The idea that is America, it is that document that gives purpose to our service. It is that document that gives purpose to our lives. It is that document that all of us in uniform 
swear to protect and defend against all enemies, foreign and domestic. We don't take an oath to a country. We don't take an oath to a tribe. We don't take an oath to a religion. We don't take an oath to a king or a queen or to a tyrant or a dictator. And we don't take an oath to a wannabe dictator. We don't take an oath to an individual. We take an oath to the Constitution and we take an oath to the idea that it's America and we're willing to die to protect it. So Mark Milley stepped down this week. This was Don Trump from his Truth Social last week. Mark Milley, who led perhaps the most embarrassing moment in American history with his grossly incompetent implementation of the withdrawal of Afghanistan, costing many of lives, leaving hundreds of American citizens behind and handing over billions of dollars of the finest military equipment ever made, will be leaving the military next week. This will be a time for all citizens of the USA to celebrate. This guy turned out to be a woke train wreck who, if the fake news reporting is correct, was actually dealing with China to give them a heads up on the thinking of the President of the United States. This is an act so egregious that in times gone by, the punishment would have been DEATH! Of course, that means it was in all caps. A war between China and the United States could have been the result of this treasonous act. He says, if the fake news reporting is correct, and then goes on to say something that he knows likely isn't true because he says everything that comes from the fake news isn't true. There are people that you know that will not only vote for this man to be president, that they actually want him to be. That is a really, really, really bad place that we are at. And for the final piece of audio here, this is Brian Cranston talking to Howard Stern just about 10 years ago. It's very, very short, just as the show Breaking Bad was wrapping up as the 10-year anniversary of this series finale was two days ago prior to today, today's coolest thing. You said uh, Breaking Bad. I bet you're kind of happy in a way. It's like you did your run on that, and yeah. now you'll go do something else. Yeah, it's good. I mean, I, I don't want it to end like uh, some some bullshit story where it's like, oh, hey, you know what? We, we had the wrong charts. You're fine. We can go on for another yeah, four yeah, or right. five years. Right. No. It's, but it's do you good. think you'll ever get another role like that? No. No, this is the greatest role of my life. I know mm, that I will never great. have another role as good as, as Walter White. He has said many times since then... Um, that that was the greatest role of his career, and uh, and it's man, it was such a fun ride that show along with Better Call Saul, and another if you know you know moment here with uh, Baby Blue is the name of this one. Why am I remember uh, forgetting the name of the ba- Bad Finger? Bad Finger is the name of uh, the band as the show closes and ends. This song plays out again. If you know, you know. Coming up next, I will recap the Drive-By Truckers show, my band show at JJ's Bohemia, the latest on the Blue Light, the latest on Songbirds, and the great Nick Lutzko does it again. Hang tight. I will get to that next. This is the Stone on Air podcast. Coming up. I'll go ahead and make sure you get another copy of that memo. At stoneonair.com.
I'd like to know when the anger subsides. It often gets better after step five. Okay. And the part of the problem is people don't do four or they skip four. And a lot of depression and anxiety gets managed through four and five because the there's, there's many, many reasons. That first year is a roller coaster. You're going to be a different person in five more months. But get through that fourth step. That's going to be a certain amount of relief. Sometimes that irritability is depression, too. Um, sometimes that needs to be treated. You can get that treated with a medication. But but really seriously, the, the depression anxiety gets better after the fifth step. Sort of through. That first year is so hard. That's why people relapse. So hard. But don't do not hang in it. So I played that for no particular reason other than I... <clears throat> I didn't know what I was going to do this segment as I prepared everything on Monday. This song is called On the Fourth Night of My Drinking from the Drive-By Truckers, which they played on Tuesday. And when I found that on TikTok, that was uh, somebody, I don't know whose show, but it was Dr. Drew, you know, that one is always on TV. And he's talking about the first year being a roller coaster and that a lot of things don't really start to even out, I guess. I'm, I'm kind of, I'm not even paraphrasing. I'm kind of making up what he was saying. But after the fourth and fifth step of the 12 steps of AA, and, it, you know, you'd think I would know them pretty well. Uh, I don't have time to go back to earlier this year, but I... Went to rehab for a month, so I should know this better than the average jerk walking around, but I have not been an AA guy. I'm not a fan of it at all, really. And I started going through it today. I pulled it, and to find out, to remember what between the fourth and the fifth are. And the fourth step is making a, or made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves, which I feel like I've done. And then step five is admitting to God which I don't have to get into that right now, but to ourselves and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs, which I also feel like I've done. And um, I went through here to X out the ones that talk about uh, the higher power or God, because they say that this is not a religious um, program. These are not religious steps. Well, one, two, three, four, five, six, six, half of them. I'm not going to read them and bore you with it. Half of them speak of God and higher power. So um, if it's for people who need it and it works, great. But if it's not, it's not. And so I, it just it jumped out to me because I am, I'm hitting a lull. The worst time of the year for me is starting now. I do not like cold weather. I do not like the winter. I do not like this shift. Yes, I'm happy that it's not 96 degrees anymore. All right? I am happy about that. But I am not looking forward to the holidays. I am not one that's like, you know, gets sad at the holidays because I don't have somebody to kiss under the mistletoe or, you know, what a movie character or a television actor or actress portrays as somebody who gets seasonal depression. That's not me. I just don't like it. It's just a lot going on during weather that I don't like. I don't feel good in the winter. And this year going into it, I can't just drink it all away either. So, yeah, it, I'm, I'm hitting that kind of like, uh, kind of, you know, I don't really know what to think on a day-to-day, week-to-week basis as much as I thought I did a couple of months ago. That's, that's it. That's all there, that that was about. And I'm not trying to make a bigger deal about it than than it is 
But there's a very good chance that if you're hanging out with me to go to a football game or a soccer game or a drive-by trucker show or whatever it might be, is that you're likely doing something with me that I'm now doing for the first time in my life as an adult, meaning doing something generally completely sober. And there's a little bit of tweaking, a little bit of cheating when I say completely sober, but it's pretty damn close. It rounds up or down, whichever way you want to look at it, to completely sober. And so that's a different experience. It's different. This is not a commentary on whether it's better or worse or more fun or less fun. It's just different. And this drive-by trucker show was a, uh, it was nice. It was, it was a nice time. It will be the first time that I've ever seen them and remember the entire thing. And I've seen them, I was asked that night how many times, and I, I think I've seen them about 15 times, but that goes all the way back to 2001. So that's a long damn time. So that's actually not that many times. And I'm going to have a little more commentary on this in the final segment of the show, so I'll keep it short right now. But the drive-by truckers have a quantity over quality problem they release they're very prolific they release a lot of music and not all of it is great not all of it is even necessarily always even all that good but the good is really good and the great is legendarily great with incredible stories and incredible lyrics you know i'll touch on that in the final segment for just a couple of minutes i won't bore you with it i promise you But they also, another thing that I love about many of my favorite bands, they play a different set every night. Now, it's about 75% the same songs, 75, 25, 25% sprinkled in with new ones each night, and it's always in a different um, uh, arrangement. It's never, you know, the first song's never the same on any given show, and I think that's something that bands owe their fans who are popular enough to be seen more than a couple of times on on a tour. Most bands don't do that. Most bands play the same set every night, and it's boring, and it's predictable, and I don't understand why people like that kind of stuff. Uh, I guess unless you just want one of those one-offs. But I generally go see my favorite bands multiple times, and I would like to have a different set, a different experience every night, and the truckers always do that. Uh, a quick talk, uh, mention, uh, a review, if you will, of the Walker Theater itself. I mentioned last week I had been there one time. It was for a comedy show, and I couldn't remember which one it was. That's how bombed I was. It was not a good weekend. I can't remember what was going on in my life that was bad, but it wasn't good, and that was a bad weekend. And I think it was, after thinking about it all weekend and into the week, I think it was David Cross. If my tiny brain-damaged memory serves at all, doesn't matter because I don't remember it, so this was effectively my first time. It was all right. You know, it was okay. I would have liked the, the, the sound to have been a little louder, but the mix was good. So guitars, drums, bass, vocals, the mix was great. I would have liked all of it to have been turned up just a touch. And I'm not a fan of the pews. That's one of the things I hate about the Ryman. And it's way worse there than it is at the Walker as far as the way the pews are set up. I don't want to sit in pews. It says nothing to do with anything other than they're uncomfortable and they're confusing. I don't like pews 
for a music concert. So that part kind of sucked. But overall, the staff was great. The security was wonderful. They left everybody alone. I mean, we were vaping in there. They, you know, I wasn't being a dick about it or being like, come again, you know, Lauren Bimbo Bird about it. But they were very cool. And everybody who was there, from my vantage point, which was possibly the most sober one in the room, everybody behaved themselves. And oftentimes at a trucker show, people are not always behaving themselves because their songs, now they're old men and they're, they're not nearly as raucous as they used to be, but all the, virtually majority of their best songs are about women, drugs, sex, rock and roll, drunk, blackouts, hangovers. That's what their songs are about. That's what their lifestyle was, and that's what the lifestyle is of their most devoted fan base. Again, just a couple more words on that in just a little bit. Um, let's see. Oh, oh, one other thing I want to mention is I've I was talking to some um somebody at the at JJ's over the weekend before I get to uh, our band show is that a lot of people talk about how uh, drinking gives them bad anxi- anxiety, and much of that comes with the hangovers, the hangover anxiety. Almost everybody experiences that to a certain degree because there's so much regret and there's so much remorse that even if you don't experience anxiety, you're going to get some of that. I'm getting worse anxiety in every aspect of my life not drinking, and that's been something that's been a real bad problem for me the last few months. At first, I wasn't experiencing it nearly as much, but as I've gradually picked up my Life and social interactions, it's gotten worse. So that is uh, something I've been having to work work at, and all I can do is continue to try to work at it. So that brings me to the JJ show. There was virtually nobody there. Uh, You know, 10 to 12, 13 tops, including the, the other band that played before us. It's a small room, so it didn't feel... Like, there literally was no one there. But I didn't expect a big turnout. Nobody knows who we are. We're a bunch of dudes in our 40s playing music at a place that is frequented by 20-somethings there to hear music that I've never heard of. Uh, I still love the place dearly, and I was happy that that was the place we played our first show. But speaking of anxiety, another reason for bringing it up, it ate me alive. Ate me alive on Saturday. I know how to play these songs. Half of them I've been playing for 20 years. And the other half, consistently, with regular rehearsal for the last 8 to more like 12 to maybe even 14, 16 weeks. So it's not like I don't know how to do this. And in all honesty, it ain't that hard. But it's still the performance anxiety. It ate me alive on Saturday. I laid in bed two-thirds of the day. I didn't get anything done. I trashed a perfectly good Saturday. I spent the day thinking of every way that I was going to quit the band after the show, that that was it. This was it. My first show back was my last show back, and there's no chance I'm doing this again. I mean, that's the kind of stuff I was thinking. I was in my head terribly. I was in and out of sleep. For some reason, heavy anxiety makes me very sleepy. I wish it would help me sleep better at night. It doesn't. But in the middle of the day, it I can fall asleep when I'm anxious. I don't understand that. But we get down there early, and I, I do take some medication for it. It helped. And we played. 
and we did fine. We didn't miss a lick. We were we were fine. We were more than fine. We were very good, actually. And, you know, is the tree falls in the forest thing, right? I mean, just because there weren't a lot of people there to hear it doesn't mean that it wasn't worth doing, and it doesn't mean that it wasn't good. And uh, now I'm looking forward to another gig, and I'm not quitting the band. <laughs> if, if any of the band members are listening, I'm not quitting the band, and we're going to keep going forward. But, uh, wow, I was, I was just I was surprised with how much that it, it, uh, it really ate me up. Um, but uh, it was fun. By the time it was over with, it was fun. So here we go. The blue light finally is officially closed. This is from the Chattanooga Times Free Press from two days ago. Station Street Bar has dropped its legal cases against Chattanooga and will no longer operate in its current location, says the bar's owner. This is a quote from an email sent to the paper. In fact, we are finalizing discussions with a new owner to take over the space and open a new concept, Brian Asshole Joyce said. If all goes to plan, the new business should be open for the holidays. Let's hope all doesn't go to plan. Goes on and talks about uh, everything that, if you care, you already know. They opened for that one day on August 25th after I ran an extensive, deep dive into uh, this entire situation and how the, the bar had closed. And then also my in memoriam, which if I do say so myself, was borderline a masterpiece. If you haven't heard it, you should seek it out. Give yourself three and a half minutes to laugh at Brian Joyce. It took me a long time. It was really well done. Anyway, shortly after that, um, they start posting all their social media, uh, not totally directed at me, but I, Brian Joyce knows exactly who I am and he hates my guts. So part of it was directed at me, but also any other media outlet. The guy uses Trump style rhetoric of a guy who says he hates Don Trump, except for he talks just like him. And they're like, uh, media gets it wrong. Dummy dummies. And they open for one day and then they've been closed ever since. So it was just like, you guys are effing fools. And it finally, finally, they, there's no more questions. They're gone. Is this the reason that Songbirds is leaving Station Street? I don't know. And they're not saying. And at the end of the day, it might not matter. But Songbirds is leaving the Choo Choo campus and going to Main Street, right across the street from the feed. And then right across the uh, side street on the same side of the street of Main Street from Clyde's. This is a perfect location. I can't in my head figure out exactly what that building was or what it looked. It must be something that's getting renovated. I know it is based on what they're talking about in the piece. But I can't quite visualize it. But it is an area I'm very familiar with. The Feed, my favorite bar in town. And so this is really cool. The decision to move was a difficult one, says Reed Caldwell, the executive director for uh, Songbirds Foundation. Uh, it says, noting that the uh, Choo Choo was a historic site for Chattanooga's music heritage. When we began work on the museum in 15, Station Street was just a dirt alley. We have come a long way and helped bring life to the road and the South Side neighborhood. It is time for us to move on says of the relocation, the new space on Main Street is already the coolest hidden spot in town, and we can't wait to share it to the public. It says it will not be ready for um, complete operation until the new year in 24, but there will be uh, they will be ready at least enough 
for Maine Times 24 on December 2nd. So that's really cool. It will, however, be much smaller than the space they have now, which already feels kind of small. The new one will be 4,800 square feet. The new or the, the, the old one where they're at now is 78. So almost half the size, 7,800 square foot. And really, but that's a linear space, right? Like that's, that feels like a long walkway. Maybe this will actually feel bigger because the upstairs sound, songbirds doesn't actually feel very big. Uh, Talk Radio has a new lineup out, and um, I was going to do that, but I'm going to save that for likely next week. And I'm probably going to tell you what Jed Mescon told me when I ran into him the other week when I do this next week, because you probably don't really care anyway. And that's about all the time I have here for this segment, because I want to play Nick Lutzko's new song, It is called Living Dead in Washington, D.C. I want to read the lyrics to you first and then play it. We all aim to retire at the age of 65, the carrot we spend chasing for most of our lives. That's not the case, though, in Washington, D.C. More than half of elected officials match the textbook definition of elderly. Sure, some are legends and some are wise, but should anybody run for anything past the age of 75? Every branch of government is filled with people from both sides who were old enough to drive before civil rights. Living dead in Washington, D.C., gently rotting corpses uphold democracy, gallivanting past the average life expectancy, bloated, stinking corpses haunt Washington, D.C. Let me set things straight. I don't mean no disrespect. There ain't nothing wrong with being confused by the Internet. But you're blocking legislation that's making folks upset. Why not keep some dignity and ride off into the sunset? Enjoy your grandkids while you can, or write a book, or house the poor, or start a band. Get away from the ghouls and their skeletons too, or start preparing your defense when the reaper comes for you. And then it repeats on the way out. Out of touch at best, at worst out of their minds. Mass national cognitive decline. Sundown in D.C. on the taxpayer dime. Mass national cognitive decline. This is the great Nick Lutzko. We all aim to retire at the age of 65. It's a carrot we've been chasing for most of our lives. That's not the case, though, in Washington, D.C. Half of elected officials match the textbook definition of elderly. Some are legend, sure. Some are wise, but should anyone run for anything past the age of 75? Every branch of government is filled with people from both sides who were old enough to drive before civil rights. Living dead in Washington, D.C. Chilly riot corpses. I don't mean no disrespect There ain't nothing wrong with being confused by the internet But you're blocking legislation And it's making folks upset Why not keep some dignity and ride off into the sunset Enjoy your grandkids while you still can Or write a book, or house the poor, or start a band Get away from the ghouls and their skeletons too Start 
Chattanooga's own Nick Lutzko does it again. Paul Jackson hosts the local Focal, a local music show on WUTC 88.1 FM in Chattanooga, Tennessee at 2 o'clock every Tuesday. And this past week, I was his guest. And you will hear that interview coming up next. Now back to more Stone On Air. That's exactly what I wanted to hear. StoneOnAir.com No matter how many pens a poet drains, how full of shit he is or isn't, well, it ain't up to him to tell you. So if burning out sounds better and leaving a handsome corpse makes good sense, well, then by all means, crown the lizard. Every single storied flameouts, purgatory playlist, skirts the payouts anyone from his loins might collect. His is a legacy in tourist traps, conspiracies that took him out, and tattoos someone else lives to regret. And all those well-intentioned lies that I myself romanticized, believably enough to pass his love songs, with more than one man on one knee, it never stops to amaze me how easily the heart hears what it wants to. Said the man who pissed the river, if it's owning up your after, there's no mystery how the dam inside you burst. I'd have a lot of nerve to go feigning shock and outrage. If I'd been my example, I would be worse. That part of you that feels alive is wired and it can't be severed from the damage-seeking part of you that runs it. Just don't embrace it with a vengeance before you've even shaved with a razor that you bought with your own money. I'd have a lot of nerve to go feigning shock and outrage. Those are the convoluted, brilliant lyrics written to Mike Cooley's 16-year-old son, which I'll have a couple of more words on and a little bit from this faroutmagazine.com piece at the end of the show. First, earlier this week on the local focal on WUTC, Paul Jackson invited me on his show, and you'll hear that conversation right now. I'm here with Brian Stone host uh, the podcast Stone on Air, a radio veteran here in Chattanooga. And Brian, tell us about yourself and what you've been doing. Well, hey, Paul, appreciate you uh, having me on. I always enjoy being on the radio. I haven't done that regularly in a long time, but once upon a time I did for nearly 20 years. Most, just about all the uh, conglomerates, I guess, if you want to call it that, the uh, clusters, as we would say, in the industry here in town, one way or another. But been out of the radio world for a while. Just do a podcast here in town called Stone On Air. It started as a radio show, so the on-air part, that's kind of where the name came from. And then figured no reason to change it after that. And, uh, you know, it's every Thursday most. It's not 52 days a, a year, but it's pretty close. Take a few weeks off here and there over the course of the year, but not many. And it's... You know, highlighting things here in town as much as possible. Actually started off as a music, a local music show similar to this one. 
on a on a talk station here in town seven eight years ago it was a it was a talk heavy version of what you do here but it still highlighted local music and usually would be live performance based not necessarily playing a lot of music from bands but discussing a lot of music from bands and it was it was a lot of fun that was a long time ago now and it's kind of morphed now into more just a commentary i guess news magazine style kind of show that a lot of people like a lot of people don't too (laughs) as as i always say it depends on who you ask in case you don't know brian stone's podcast is very local topic forward lots of talk about the local music scene that is otherwise not heard really anywhere how did you transition from radio to doing this on a regular basis uh that's a good question because i've been asked it many times and it was difficult to be honest with you because they're two very different things a radio show and a podcast a lot of people don't look at it that way if they look at it at all you know so It's not exactly something that people are sitting around talking about or thinking about all that often. But if it does come up, generally people think that, well, a podcast and a radio show are virtually the same thing, just a little different formatically. And that is not true at all. The only thing that a podcast and a radio show have in common is that you listen to both of them. Outside of that, they're not similar at all. As far as how they're put together, what their purpose is, what it's for, and why. All those kinds of boring parts of it. They, they are not similar at all. Their audiences are different. The reasons for listening are different. Neither one is good or bad. It's just different. And the way you talk to your audience is different. Whether it's music or a, or a, a talk, a spoken word dominated format... I, I struggled with that a lot at first when I transitioned from radio to podcast. I mean, let's just keep, to, just to dumb it down, just to be simple, like tell them what time it is. Time, time, tune, and temp, you know, they would call it, you know, which even in radio is a ridiculous thing to do now. It's 85 degrees. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's, it's warm outside. Thanks, buddy. Um, you know, it's five after 10. Yeah, I know. Thanks for, you know, genius. But to even further than that, you're, you know, or more, more, a little more complicated than that is that you're talking to people who want to be there in a podcast. You're talking to people who have gone out of their way to listen to you specifically. And you need to talk to that listener differently than you would if you were on the radio because you're talking to people who are coming and going. You're talking to people who might not know who you are and you need to make sure they know who you are because you want them to come back on the radio, yes. Uh, The content might be generally the same as what you might, you, me, the generalized us, whoever. The content might be the same, but the way you deliver it, the way you talk to people is different. And that took me a long time to figure out. And I've done, I think, a pretty good job of it now. And so I, I, I throw together an hour uh, a, a week that you can download anywhere you download anything. Stone on Air, all one word. If you search it out that way, you'll find it. And it is, I'm not sure if this is what you asked, but I think you were going to if you didn't already, is it is a focus on Chattanooga, regional. I would say a regional, local, topic-driven 
mindset is where I go into it every week. I mean, I start working on next week's show the day that last week's show came out. So on Thursday, every week, when it drops, as they say, I'm already looking around and kicking around and trying to find what could work for next week. Problem is, is next week is a long ways away, and, and a lot can change. So this town's cool. I've been here virtually my whole life. Love the place dearly. Chattanooga, you're not as interesting as you think you are on a daily basis. Now, our county mayor is uh, be a little bit more interesting because the Womps can't get over themselves and love to be in the quote-unquote news. So I'm doing exactly what they want. Weston is regularly fodder on, uh, on my show, uh, and he's an acquaintance of mine. Tim Kelly, mayor of the city, is a friend of mine, certainly uh, two different relationships. but So I try to go that direction. If I could do an hour that was only things about this city, I would. It's just not enough there. So, uh, but you won't hear about, you know, what happened at the White House today at any point. You won't, we, I, I, and I like local politics. Love, 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 love talking local politics. Not necessarily from a state level. Don't really care what Senator Blackburn said, you know, on Twitter yesterday, right? Don't really care about that unless it's got something that directly affects something here. But yeah. County politics, especially, you know, with the Womps dominating now. I thought we were done with the Womp Swamp, but we're not. So there'll be plenty of that. But um, I think I think it's a safe space <laughs> in the sense that you, you're not going to be enraged. You're not going to turn it on and be, you know, hear somebody's hard opinions all the time. But I guess occasionally you might. But it's it's fun. I enjoy it. And I invite anybody to give it a listen. If you've listened to Brian's podcast, he does a very exclusive rundown of festivals coming around, including the Bonnaroo Festival as well as Moon River. Did a really nice job with that a couple of weeks ago. Tell us about your background with music festivals. Yeah, Once Upon a Time was my favorite thing to do in the world, was go to a music festival. And it's still one of my favorite things. The industry has, like many other entities in the entertainment industry is pricing me out i've done a lot of talk on that here recently i am looking at you moon river i'm not blaming you exclusively but you certainly have done that as well from all levels and i get it it's expensive to put on a music festival so ticket prices are going to be what they are and that's fine concessions are i don't want to go too far into all this and i and i'm not and this is in no way hate on moon river it was a fantastic festival this year once again loved riverbend for years i was a supporter of the uh, the carnival uh, that was riverbend for a long time until i till i wasn't so i couldn't take it anymore but they've done a wonderful job the last couple of years with Mike Dewar and Chris Cobb at the the head of putting together Riverbend. And, you know, I, I've, my, I, I don't go all around the country. It's not like I've, I go to Chicago for Lollapalooza or Coachella or even, you know, Austin, Austin City Limits. But I do follow all those festivals. I see what goes on there. And it's just it's a fascinating place. These places are just, it's its so much fun. I'm going to try to keep this street going forever. I've been to every Bonnaroo. It's not that hard to do when you're just an hour away. And and I, you know, with working in the industry for so long, you know, never had to pay to go. So it's like, it's not that hard of a decision, right? 
it's a little more difficult these days now that it's a Live Nation product. We won't even get started on that. But um, yeah, I've been you know I've spent a lot a lot of time in Manchester and and had a lot of fun and and talk about those kinds of things on the show and that that's that's another thing about the the weekly stone on air podcast it is it's very topical to that week so when bonnaroo rolls around every every june i'm going to spend a lot of time on that every september when moon river rolls around i'm going to spend time on that same with riverbend and nightfall and um you know riverfront nights that kind of i'm a big sports guy too you know i don't spend a lot of time on that on the show but i, I do love sports big titans guy braves guy but yeah i don't those are different experiences that aren't as nearly as interesting to me anyway so yeah i'll spend a lot of time on those kinds of things and highlight when those events are happening so you know it, it's an hour of just topical what's going on and then sometimes it's an, a lot of anecdotes and if you don't like me <laughs> Well, sometimes I'm going to spend 40 minutes talking about not me, me, but things that I, you know, a little storytelling kind of stuff. So if you hate me, then don't even bother downloading the show because you're not going to like it. But give it give it a try. And if you don't like it at first, wait a week or two and give it a try again. And then if you don't, then, well, then there's an ocean of content for you out there and there's something for everybody. And I'm not mad at you. I get it. But uh, I would love to have you on board. Of course, as you know, we do all local music on this show. Tell us a bit about what you are into as far as the local music scene. All right. Great. Another uh, great question, because we didn't talk about this in advance, uh, which, which I'll get to in a second, involving me directly with the local music scene. And I love what you do here. You know, clearly we do have a lot of good music, though. And, you know, leading the pack these days is strong. I don't need to tell anybody who listens to this that. You already know that. And I've made a lot of great relationships with with people in this uh, town. Love seeing TJ playing again. Us old guys, yeah, with Red uh, Red Pond. Us old guys, you know, don't we we need to hold on to that youth. But I used uh, I play in in what is basically just a garage band, essentially at this point in our our lives, called Zan Teddy. Never, still never found out what where the name comes from. Z A N T E D D Y Zan Teddy Band. It's something that I've done with friends for twenty years, but haven't done in i haven't played i just play guitar do a little singing write a little bit you know nothing i i'm I'm a bit player here and just a role small role player and i haven't played in front of people in 13 years and 2010 was the last time that i was involved with anything local music wise meaning where i was playing as well and the main reason was i was focusing on other things I was focusing on my radio work, and it my passion was there, less there. And, and I'm not that good, just to be that honest with you. I'm not, not that good. I play with people who are really, really good. That's what you want to do. Yeah. They make me look good just by proxy, just by being in, in their vicinity. Now, I'm good enough, or they would tell me to run along. To run along. Uh, little free press never hurt anybody either. I show up when I'm told to show up. 
And so, yeah, so be, so the getting back to what you, and I know I'm going long here, but the local music scene has always meant a lot to me. I think it's, it's, re, it's important to have one. It's important to try to make it better. And it's important to showcase it and highlight it. And I've tried to do that over the last 20 years, whether I was in it or not myself. And you've, you're doing the same thing. And really, I mean, I don't know of anybody else doing as much work as you are with it. And so that's awesome. Super cool. And uh, just got to figure out a way to get this damn thing podcasted, which we're going to do. You hear me, management? Let's get this done, man. One of the biggest changes recently, you were talking about the uh, Nashville and Atlanta kind of running together, meeting in Chattanooga. Uh, One of the most recent changes that we're seeing is that a lot of Nashville musicians are now living in Chattanooga and recording in Nashville, which is quite a game changer as far as the live music scene. Uh, what, What are your thoughts on that? Well, I would say it is so prohibitively, ridiculously, I want to fight somebody about it, expensive to live, work, or play in Nashville. It is offensive. It's awful. So this, that's a good, clearly a good option to have. Now they're running up our damn cost down here too. Them and everybody coming to work at Volkswagen and everywhere else. I mean, thank you for being here and, you know, money goes into the local economy. I get it. But, yeah, Nashville used to be one of my favorite places in the world. One of my favorite places in the world. And, and I just, every time I go, I'm like, this place is, is not what it used to be. And I hate to sound like middle-aged old white guy over here who's getting mad about things changing. And because I generally, even when I... My tendencies tend to go that way because that's that's just human nature as as you age, and I and I always try to stop myself and say, "Dude, stop it! Don't do that! Don't be that person! Right? Don't do it!" And I, and I and I still do it a little bit, but this is more than that. That that city has just transformed, and I've talked to many people. Most recently, uh, Angie Lisi from Nashville used to be the drummer of the Dead Deads. And uh, now currently her main gig is a, is a Foo Fighters all-female cover band or tribute band. Uh, Fingernails are pretty. She's a great friend of mine. And, yeah, I've known Letitia my entire life. And um, almost literally my you know entire life. And uh, I talked to her before their show at Barrel House two months ago maybe maybe not even that long ago and she that was one of the things I asked her because she's been in Nashville for 15 years or so and she's like I mean it almost was exhausting for her to answer the question of how frustrated she was and how the music scene has become so I mean it's like they call it Los Angeles East and that that's not a good thing you know they're not saying that in a loving way which is a whole nother conversation that I, I can't lend uh, any kind of personal anecdotes to other than just what she told me. But to hear that people are u- utilizing this great area and also being able to utilize the great resources of Music Row and, and everywhere else in Nashville is, is pretty cool. But, man, yeah, it's, it's, tri- it's driving up our costs. But, that hey, thus is life, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it seems Nashville is following the exact same trajectory as Austin. Austin, 
very much the same way, a very different city from what it was even 10 years ago and uh, becoming unaffordable for any kind of artist or creative person. Glad to have them here in town. So give us a rundown of what your typical show might cover as far as topics. Sure. Yeah, and it's the Stone on Air podcast. You can uh, download it anywhere you download anything. Just make sure you do it all in one word, Stone on Air. If you separate those words out, it brings you up something in the Middle East, some kind of like sacred rock. (laughs) I don't know what it is or what it means, but yeah, Stone on Air, all one word. It's an hour long every week. It's It's in three segments usually 20-minute segments each. That can change depending on what the, the topics are. And the general, it's, it's kind of, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a news magazine, and it's kind of set up like a like a television kind of late-night talk show. And I don't mean, like, I'm trying to get you to laugh or anything. Like, it's not like that. But it's kind of mono. Yeah, well, I'm... I, I hope so. Chuckling occasionally, maybe. I'm not, you know, I'm not some jokester or anything. But with an open... And, you know, find some audio from the internet to play with and have fun with. Do have guests on, do have interviews sometimes. Not that much because it's just logistically difficult to do. I do have a regular day job and, you know, just like you and this venture, it's a lot of work and very little compensation. Very little to zero compensation. Kind of like what a lot of the local, you know, music scene has to deal with, you know. Lots and lots and lots of work for very little payoff other than satisfaction of your craft and and your passion. And in this case, this is what mine is. But so, yeah, we'll have people on. But, you know, I'd say that's five to ten times a year at, at the very most. And then a couple of segments of, you know, what's what the latest is. And, I mean, I'm jokingly, you know, taking shots at, at, at Hamilton County Weston, uh, uh, Mayor Weston Womp, but he just recently got a press secretary. Yes, the Hamilton County Mayor now has a press secretary. All right, now I want to thank Weston for when I questioned it on Twitter, or X, that... <laughs> Find me another mayor in in the country, uh, but certainly in the in the region that has a of a county that has a press secretary. Actually, surprised it took you this long, Weston. And he sent me a message, a direct message that, that said explaining why. And so I want to I want to thank Weston totally sincerely for that. I mean, he didn't have to. He could have just blocked me and moved along and he, he never does and he and he and he, he does he reaches out I, I mean he absolutely is available if you want to communicate with weston he will communicate with you i i think almost you know i think that's true with just about anybody i i've had i've been running into weston for you know 10 15 years so i don't know him well but i know him enough but i'm getting off track so that we could spend 20 30 minutes and then that's the royal we there ain't no we it's, it's me and if there's a big show again like we mentioned before if there's a festival if there's something fun you know we'll sp- spend some time on that it's just it's a week long of in my holding my phone in my hand here everything i can note to self i carry a clipboard around i see something we're at Whole Foods right now, you know. I don't think I have a segment for the show this week yet from this Whole Foods stop, but I might because I was trying to get a cold brew, and it was like I asked for the nuclear codes downstairs. And so I said, forget it. 
I'll just drink water. Thank you. So maybe I do have a segment. So, you know, it just, I, I don't mean to say watch out what you say around me, but if you're around me, you might be part of a podcast this week. But I'm not going, I, I'm not, I don't get my rocks off on making people feel stupid or small. I want to celebrate. You know, I want to celebrate people, celebrate things, celebrate the city, celebrate the region, and, and have fun doing it. And if you do something really stupid, you're going to have fun with that, too. And usually it's pretty throwaway stuff. Right? I mean, it's, I'm, I'm not over here. This isn't gotcha guy. You know, this, this isn't, oh, I know what you did last summer. You know, th- this isn't, I'm going to go back and find your tweet from 2015. And you know, none of that stupid stuff. It's well thought out. I mean, if I do say so myself, it's well done, it's well thought out, and it's designed for people who like to think a little bit differently than just your average, boring, everyday stuff. That's, that's kind of where I'm, tr- I'm trying to go. The tagline I put together, you know, 10 years ago, I don't even remember what it was now. It's live, you know, kind of that period thing where you go make period this now period whatever like so live music entertainment perspective you know it's it was live as a radio show it's now plausibly live (laughs) it's live to tape you know it's it's music for sure i love you know love music it's entertainment whatever's going on it's news and it can be politics and it's perspective based hey i know every jerk is over here talking about this dumb thing this way we're not doing that. I'm, I'm doing it from a different angle over here, or at least that's the goal. All right, Brian, thank you so much for joining us today on The Local Focal. And the podcast is Stone on Air, wherever you get your podcasts, including Apple, all of the platforms. Thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, Paul, thanks, man. I appreciate it very, very, very much. And glad to see that station is allowing you to to have this show and i'd like to see more like it and so if anybody is you know out there and has ideas like this that want to create content and even if it is just a, a you know podcast just primitively done i encourage people to do that it's a vast ocean out there of of content creation so it can seem daunting and but it's you know it's fun it can be anyway so thanks to WTC for, for, for at least doing this much. And I wish other stations in town would follow suit. But yeah, Stone on Air, all one word. Give it a listen. If you like it, great. If not, that's cool too. We can still be friends, I promise you. I will not talk junk about you, I don't think. But uh, thanks, Paul. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Brian. Thanks so much. I know I was a bit long-winded there. I hope Paul and all listeners didn't mind. And thank you once again, Paul Jackson, for having me on the local vocal every tuesday on wutc on the way out this is the first single from the latest record from the drive-by truckers called every single storied flame out if the genre tag alternative country either confuses you or sends a shiver up your spine this is from faroutmagazine.co.uk then you need to plug into the style's best and most consistent bands at drive-by truckers for the past 25 years The band has been serving up some of the best mixes of soul, country, and rock and roll that any American band can offer. These are hillbillies for sure, but they're worldly and progressive hillbillies who happen to make some great music. The Drive-By Truckers have always been some of the best songwriters hiding in plain sight through the world of music. 
At one point, it could be argued that they had three of the best modern country singer-songwriters in the world with Cooley, Patterson Hood, and Jason Isbell all in their ranks, the latter of whom is best known for his solo work. Every single storied flame-out might be a rip-roaring country rock tune, but it's got a set of lyrics that prove why country music can still be the ideal vessel for storytelling in music. Quote from Mike Cooley, I wrote that song when my son was turning 16 and going through a rough patch for a bit. Luckily, he's turned it around and doing great now, but it was a tough time for a while. Part of my way of dealing with it was to take ownership of the example I might have set in the hopes of leading him out of it. And that is all I have for you today on the Stone On Air podcast. I'll get you one next week. I'm not sure what day yet and have no idea what direction it will go. Likely Thursday as normal, but maybe even a day early on Wednesday. Thank you so much for finding the show and have a great week. We'll talk to you soon. Bye.